I was born to a single mom. And my mom had me and my three sisters. And uh, she would have to make her own way in life by traveling and finding her way from India to America eventually. I never really had, like, cousins or older uncles, older father. I was never really around elders a lot. I had my older sisters, but they were not elders. And as I've gotten older, I've always looked for the wisdom of elders. The wisdom of elders. Like, whenever I have a chance to talk to somebody older than me, I would always ask them a life lesson. Like, give me a lesson, man. I'm, I'm young, I'm learning, I'm, I'm thirsty for wisdom and knowledge, and you've traveled the journey of life. Please share with me. I have great respect for people that are older. And I've always craved the wisdom of elders. I had an opportunity this weekend to sit down with my mom's older brother. And he's 84 years old. He's turning 84 years old. And I just wanted to sit down and ask him about his life. Everything from his bicycle tour, which started in New Delhi, India in 1954. And, 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 and went on all the way to London. He went through Yugoslavia. He went through Greece. He went through Iran. He went through all these places on a bicycle, him and a friend. And what a cool journey. And I, and I had an opportunity to sit down and just soak a little bit of that wisdom of elders, you know, just get a chance to know about this story. And those of us that are lucky enough to have elders around us, grandmothers, grandfathers, it's a beautiful experience. And, and I never had grandparents. When I was born, um, uh, both sides of my grandparents had passed away. Older uncles are gone. Everybody who's older is gone, uh, but especially grandparents. I never had that feeling of to go to granny's house, you know. And now at 32 years old, I'm talking to someone that's 50 plus years older than me. 50 plus years. And to me, it's like, it's so fascinating because I know that getting older is inevitable for all of us. We all, if we're lucky to live, we all will get old. We will all feel what senior citizenship is like. or How our steps get a little slower. How our speech gets a little bit more ruffled. How our hands start shaking when we're trying to grip something. How slow we are when we used to do things so fast. And I sit back and I try to reflect on the truth of aging and being very well at peace with the idea that if I'm lucky to live, then I'm going to get old. 
that's a beautiful thing. Life, life's most fairest thing is getting old and eventually passing on. And then I ref- when I when I'm around someone of this age and this th- this journey of wisdom. It's a beautiful experience to know that he was also once a baby. He was a baby. And then he became old. And he became a baby. The cycle goes on. You go from baby to older to baby. Because I notice how as people, I see it in my mom. My mom is aging. She's 66 and I see her. And she becomes more dependent. Physically, emotionally, mentally, you know, I I find myself holding her hand and telling her how beautiful she is and that she's going to be okay. That she's going to be okay. Because as a single mom, she doesn't have her husband to do it. She only has her kids, her son, her daughters. And as we get older, we become more dependent, like a baby. We start needing and feeling and and wanting a little bit of empathy and a little bit of assistance, a little bit of support and patience and love and care and all of these things start happening. And I'm just very grateful for the process of getting older and witnessing what that's like by observing the wisdom of the elders. Whatever, whatever stage of life you're on, your 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 young teens, your twenties, your thirties, or forties doesn't matter. Whatever stage of life you're on, the beautiful thing is there's always someone ahead of you. There's always someone older than you. There's always someone that's been there, done it, and experienced it. And we will be there also. And we'll be looking back and sharing our wisdom with those that come before us or after us. So, enjoy a little 30-minute conversation with my uncle, Karthar Singh Janeja from Washington, D.C. And uh, I call him Mamaji, and it just means uncle. And it's a respectful way to say uncle. And in here, we'll hear a cool little story about a bike tour in the 50s to a little bit of the perception of what uh, America was like in the 70s, to uh, a life lesson and just uh, a little bit of reminiscing. And hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Uh, I sure did, and I appreciate every moment of it. I know that um, I'm very grateful for all of our senior citizens because they have, uh, have given me a lot of wisdom. A lot of my homies have been older. A lot of people I talk to are always older, 50s, 40s, 60s, and I don't take it for granted. So if you got somebody out there that's that's around you, that's your wisdom of elder, show them a little love, show them a little respect. Just listen to them, feel them, understand them, have compassion. We'll be there too. We will be there too. If you don't mind me asking, sir, your name and your age. Because I don't even know, what would be your full name? Kartar Singh Janeja. Kartar Singh Janeja. And you are how old, sir? 83. 83 years old. It's hard for me to understand 83. I'm 32. So you're almost 51, 50 plus years older than me. 
That's amazing to me. You're 50 plus years old. Well, that's, 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 the, way, that's the way it has to be. Yeah, that is the way it has to be. That is the way it has to be. Um, you are my uncle, and I call you Mamaji. Uh, but yes, you are my uncle. And I wanted to ask you a few stories of your life. You, you said something really amazing to me about a bicycle tour that you did. When, what year was this bicycle tour in? That was in 1954. 1954. 1954. And it was just a bicycle? It was you and who? Another friend of mine. Okay, so you and your friend rode a bicycle from where? From New Delhi, India. Yeah. To where? New Delhi and India to Bombay. From Bombay, we took a boat to Iran. From Iran on the way by road to London. I mean, whatever, wherever it was possible to go on bicycle, we did that, of course. And whenever there was some water, we took a boat. But no plane? No, no, no plane, of course. We took a ship to, from Karachi to Iran, Khurumshar, the port of Iranian, Iranian port of Khurumshar, which is uh, at the east end of the country, I believe. Uh, what, what was Iran like in, in 1954? Well, Iran in 1954, it was still Shah's rule. You, you remember Shah of yes, Iran? Yes, sir. Yeah, it was his rule that time. Everywhere, of course, uh, uh, there were a lot of things which we did not understand at that time, why there was so much of... Uh, uh, you know, army and shahs, uh, you know, everywhere we went, there was something going on which we did not understand, but those people knew what it was all about. I think there were some people who were against Shah because he was uh, American ally at that time, I believe. Okay. That was the reason or somehow public was not happy with that maybe. So Iran was a little subduing them with his army and all that, kind of. Oh, wow. I mean, as we understood it, because we were students, we didn't have any idea what was going on. How long on did you do. stay in Iran? Oh, it took us about 40, 40 days or so to go through days. Iran altogether. On a bicycle? On bicycles, yeah. <laughs> and, and that included going up mountains and hills and everything? Well, there were some mountains. Of course, we did not have to go over them by foot. We took a bus or something. To just cross those areas, you know, wherever it was, the terrain was not possible to ride bicycles. We did take some other conveyance to get through there. And did you guys use a map? Did you know that you were going to end up in London? Or We were, we had a chartered map from AAA in India, you know. There was a AAA in India? In yeah, we had some automobile association of India that was con contact, connected with the AAA, yeah. Wow. Okay, so you had this map. And yeah, we had that map all charted out where we had to go, what towns we had to go through. All those things were pre-planned, of course. Especially now, like, uh, uh, we're so used to using Google Maps and all these things. And, yeah, now you know, internet, of course, uh, has a lot of other facilities. We use all kind of Google Maps. But in those days, apparently, we didn't have those things. We were... Uh, we had printed map 
from one place to other place, from one there to there, there to there like that, you know, yeah. from one town to other town or village or whatever. So apparently uh, when we started from Delhi, it was all the main stretch from Delhi to Bombay. Visas were problem. We were unable to get our visas in in Delhi because of certain reasons. They do you need a visa even if you're riding a bike to go to the next country? You needed a visa because you had a bike. It doesn't matter yeah. if, even if you are a bike rider or you going through the from one country to other country. You need a visa. Uh -huh. So we were told to get visas for Iran, Pakistan. Yeah. So when we went to the embassies in Delhi for the visa, they won't give us like the one country would say, get the other countries first, then we will give you. <laughs> we went to Pakistan embassy, they said, get visa for Iran, then we will give you. Although we did have sponsorship from Delhi universities, uh, uh, there used to be an organization called WUS. World University Service. Okay. Every country, almost most countries, in most countries they had branches wherever we were going, like Iran, Pakistan, Turkey, Greece, Yugoslavia, Italy, France, everywhere they had some branches. So the general secretary for that organization was one of the uh, university student. He was general secretary for that organization for the Delhi branch. So we got his help on our behalf and he said, we have two students who like to go to on a bicycle tour of the world, around the world on bicycles. If you have any interest, you can sponsor this tour or whatever you can help with. So oh, you he, set out to go around the whole world? Yes, the tour actually was decided. We decided we had a plan to go around the world, but unfortunately, it didn't go all the way. We just had to stop in London. We did it up to London only. And how long did it take to go from New Delhi to London? That's what I'm coming up to. It is. Uh, it took us about six months time. Six months. Six months. Why did yeah. you stop in London? Why did we stop in London? Yeah. Because. There were some differences among us. By the time we got to London, the other guy did not like my ideas and I didn't uh, like his okay. ideas. You know how it happens yeah, always. Yeah. So we had to drop that tour off in London. So in short, what happened was when we got to Karachi uh, from Bombay, of course, we were able to get visas from Bombay. I went to the Pakistan consulate there. Luckily, in the consulate, the officer was from place where I was born. It, that place was in Pakistan now. Oh. Previously, it was in India after partition. Can you tell me a little bit about partition? What, did, what happened? What is this partition? Partition of India was, uh, you know, it took place in 1947. The Britishers were leaving because they were only prepared to give independence to India on certain you know, conditions, they did, wanted to divide the country into two parts. Oh. They created a Pakistan out of India. Wow. And then uh, Pakistan, most Mohammedans were left on that side of Pakistan. 
Of course, some Hindus were left behind. Hindus are Sikhs and left behind also, but most the of them had Muslim. to leave that part of the country to just go towards the Indian territories. So we were, of course, we also had to migrate to India. We left that portion where we so were born. So like, where, where, where were you born? I was born in the territory which went to Pakistan. Oh, what territory is that? Well, that was the area called Madi Bahauddin, where I was born, you know. It is one of the uh, districts. Uh, it in is Pakistan. in the northwest of Punjab, oh. northwest of Delhi. It is called Punjab, northwestern Punjab. Okay, so my mom is your, your little sister. Your mom was, uh, of course, born in Delhi, not in, uh, in, yeah. not in Pakistan. When she was born, you were probably early, like 20 years old. 18 maybe? Who? You? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When she was born, 18, I was 20? about 17 years or six, 17 or 16 years old. I, uh, yeah. At 16 or 17, I don't remember yeah. exact date. But she was born, she was only like three years old when I left for, for London. You know, we, I left for the store, uh, bicycle tour that was in 1954. So you can imagine, she must have been born in 1951, I think, or 52. Wow. When you're on these bicycles and you went through six months of doing this. What's that? When you went on this bicycle tour and spent six months doing it with uh, your friend, you, did you, what life, did you, what lessons did you learn from the experience? Even from one, this experience, uh, well, this is something... I don't think uh, this was done for some kind of experience. Most of it was done as a goodwill mission, actually. As they are called unofficial ambassadors of the country. So wherever we went, we represented our country, of course. Oh, wow. And we were students only. Because of going from Delhi University, he was a second year student, I was first year. We didn't finish our education even and we got this chance. We thought we can handle the education later, but that was not a good experience. That was not a good uh, decision to do. So that, of course, affected our uh, proficiency in expressing ourselves to other people whenever we went in different countries and we could not speak good English even. As you know, in first year and second year, you don't have that kind of knowledge speaking English. And uh, we didn't even study that much English in those days. So we were not that good at that time. He was a little ahead of me because of being in the next year, second year. I was only starting in the first one. So that was something which uh, did not help us too much as not being very conversant with the language. Yeah. But in other countries, nobody spoke English anyway. Wherever we went, it was okay. It was only in English-speaking areas where we had that kind of feelings. For example, first country was Pakistan, so that was not good impression in now, Pakistan. Were, were there any wars going on at this time? When you were uh, I, can you speak a little loud because sure, I can't hear you. Were there any wars? Like, there was no wars going on? No wars were going on. No, no wars were going on in those those uh, at that time, 1954. There were no. Wow. I don't remember any wars. Uh, 
even yugoslavia was one country uh, and uh, russia was also uh, all the states of russia were, were with with them only there was no partition done in russian everywhere except that uh, i think germany was divided already in those days uh, it was east germany and west germany and the poland and all that they were all like that so once we started through iran it took us 45 days to get through iran we went to turkey of course from turkey uh, we went to greece greece was not too much of the area where we had to cross greece it took us about maybe we went through greece in, in a week or so because uh, we got some problem when we got to greece i think uh, the visa which the greece embassy gave us in turkey they thought we were going on motor bicycles so they gave us a visa for 24 hours only <laughs> we were going on we were going on bicycles so we didn't realize that when we got to the border they said you don't have uh, you cannot cross through to yugoslavia because you don't have visa for long enough because on bicycles you cannot go through uh, through yugoslavia in two days so you better go get a train from the border greek border and go to yugoslavia and get your visas extended wow so you had to go to yugoslavia yeah we had to go to yugoslavia so we took the trains in the night time there from the border we took a train did you ever But, encounter any like problems it was just You make it sound like such an easy trip, and there's never no problems. Well, no. some problems always can come up. Like you violence. know, if you are not sure what is going on with your paperwork and all those those things are part of life. Whatever you are doing, if you don't know what's going on, so we should have made sure our visas were not for 24 hours. We should have asked them before leaving, but we didn't check it. <clears throat> so this is some experience which you get get only after you do something. Yeah. It? So in this whole journey. You, you've lived um, in America for how long now? In where? In America for how long? I'm just curious, how long have you been in America? Oh, in America, I've been, my God. I came here in 1970. 1970? zero. yes. Oh, man. Even that, like, I, sometimes I wish that I lived in the 70s. I wish I was 30 years old in the 70s. Okay. Because I like the hippie culture of the 70s. I understand. That's, well, that's true. In 70, America was an entirely different kind of place. Everybody would be nice to you. People were really different than they are now. Yeah. Uh, in what ways have you seen a change since you've been here? In here? Yeah. Just... Well, you know, changes come gradually. It is not something which suddenly happens. When I came to America, I came as a visitor and my aim was to settle here because I had gotten married back home in 1950, 1964 and I had already two children. They were four and five years old and my father there was a small business. So he didn't uh, like me to send my kids to better school even. 
and I had gone back from London, you see, after bicycle tour. So I would like my kids to go to regular schools, which they, I mean, every other low income and all those people went to school there. So I wanted to send them to good school and my father could very well afford, but he did not like to spend that kind of money, which <laughs> made me a little upset about that. And I was also helpless to in that regard because I was not settled in any business or anything. So I uh, told my father, I will find my own way. And so I tried to get some awesome agents to send to, if they could arrange my tour to America. So they got me a tourist visa for America. And they said, you can try your luck there. If you think you want to go to America, that's fine. So I came as a visitor, actually. In those days, visitor, visitors were not uh, like uh, allowed freely, you know. In the 70s, even, you couldn't get a visitor's visa unless you had a, a special reason to come here. Oh, what was your reason? So my reason, there was no reason to come here, no, I'm telling you. Now these agents, they, they had been doing all this hanky-panky business since then. <laughs> so those agents got some, because I, my father was in small business and... Uh, yeah, so you paid your way to come here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you come knowing you were going to be in Washington, D.C., or did you just... Well, I had somebody here already, uh, some distant relatives of ours. This guy was very, uh, I mean, good in his, uh, he had taken his de degrees in doc uh, medical radiology and all those things. So he, he was accepted here as, a, as an immigrant even. He got his green card right away after joining the hospital. So they visited, in 1970, they visited Delhi when this lady went to her house to see her parents in Delhi. They had lived here three, four years and she went back. So in those days, same thing was going on with me in 1970. I was trying to get to America and uh, I was getting in touch with the agents. So I asked this lady, if I come there, will you help me to settle down? She says, whatever I can do, I will do for you. But you know, you have to make your own arrangements. So I did some research and I got this visa for Canada on uh, for the Canada a conference business conference in Canada I got that visa for that and uh, these agents told me if you get off at New York nobody's going to bother about that you will you, <laughs> be you'll be you know you can tell them you want to visit uh, for a few days here and that's it? You can just do that? That's it. Then they allowed me for six months here. So since then, then I started doing things like trying to get uh, to know what to do to get my two kids and my wife here. So it was not so easy, you know. I had to have either immigration status to get my wife here or, you know, do something. So I was... I contacted this uh, lady, you know, which I told you, doctor's wife. So she told me, if you get a job in the embassy, you can get a visa and you can get your kids here oh, also. That's a great idea. So I tried in the embassy. I got a job in the Indian embassy. So they gave me a job of a messenger, actually. In those days, 
the messenger was getting $265 a month. Whoa. So that was not enough, of course, for yeah. myself and my kids and all that. But somehow I saved some money until I worked there for eight, 10 months or so. I got a job in, in August. They gave me a visa for my kids in December. So I got my wife and my kids in December of 1971. They came here. And then life began. So since then I had to work in the embassy and other jobs also. Illegal, although it was illegal working outside, but everybody was doing so. I also did that. Yeah. That was it then. Since then, as you said, how I came to America. So I told you how it was yeah. also difficult to uh, settle here. It wasn't so easy. But in those days, things were good. Everything was cheap. The gas was 29 cents, 28 cents a gallon. And <laughs> you could buy food for four people for a week for $10. Oh, man. So that was so nice time, man. And that's it then. I got okay. my visa in 1987, my green card. That time they gave amnesty to illegal aliens, you know. Oh, yeah, when they gave amnesty. Right? They did amnesty. So we were not in that class, but there was a clause in that amnesty. If you were working with the international organization, any embassy or anything like working for international organization, wow. you could get green card also. So I got my green card like that. That's amazing. Yeah. Now that you've lived this life and you explored a little bit of the world, you live this f fascinating life. I always ask this question to people, um, and I'd love to ask you is, um, what would be one life lesson that you could share with, my, with me? A life lesson. It can be anything. Well, there's nothing uh, special I can share with you because I did not succeed in doing anything special, which you can... Imagine, you know, it is something I would say anybody who wants to do something, they have to have determination. And without determination, you cannot do anything. So that is the lesson of my life. I mean, whatever I did, it was determination. Although nobody was there, big organization to sponsor us, but we still made it to London and on a bicycle tour. We still, I still made back to America if I tried. So if you keep trying, you can succeed sometime. You know, this is the way it is. I thought about today about happiness. And I, I'm starting to think that the goal of life as you get older is to become happy. What do you think makes us happy? Well, that is the only... If you consider yourself, if you are working and living nicely, I think that is your goal. I mean, rest is up to God. You have to try your best to become whatever you can. If you can become something of worthwhile to public and yourself, that's always the good thing. But we only were enough. I was only able to do whatever I did for myself only and my family. I didn't do anything for, uh, for the country or for 
present country or for the past country which would be considered as something of worthwhile I, I mean some people think you know like people who go in the army they do something for their country but I I think I was unable to do those things because of my age factor and all these things you know although you can always do something for the country where you are I think that is uh, trying your best to be nice citizen that's all yeah nice citizenship I mean if you are a good citizen of the country that's it that's all I'm learning that um, I've come to appreciate this country a lot more as I've gotten older because yes this country has been good uh, all along for all the world you know as you know this country is considered the richest country of the world yeah. and also everybody in spite of quite rich people they still like to come here send their kids here they want them to settle here instead of settling in their own country although they are so rich they can settle there very easily but they still like their kids to go to america yeah. they think america is the uh, country uh, no other country can be good as good as america that's why everybody likes to come here i think that's that's part of everybody's uh, thinking you know it's, it's just they think you can live here comfortably if you work hard that's the best part about america but in some countries even you work hard you cannot survive you cannot live nicely that is the only difference here and in your own countries and all those and if you work hard in this country you have a chance to really make it yeah make your life better make your life better yeah this is this is the way people think and that's why they try to come here <laughs> <laughs> It's uh it's good to sit and just listen to uh all all of that. I don't I didn't have any specific thing I wanted to ask you about the trip or anything. Okay, then that's fine. I yeah, mean, more so just about life itself. Yeah, life itself uh, that's hard to give you any opinion on the life <laughs> to tell the truth. I I don't have such knowledge, you know, but I did not go to those schools which would give me that kind of education that I can judge what is best for oneself. Ah, it's a, it's a valuable knowledge for me to listen to. Okay, of course, every, every, every now and then we think about these things and then yeah. think how it can happen and all yeah. that, why it happened. I had a good time. Thank you very much for your time.